0: Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 247 3051 Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
1: All right. So, if you all like to turn in your Bibles to Genesis 15, we'll get ready to start here this morning, and we'll get right underway here with, by asking God to help us. Lord, we come to you this morning, each one of us, and our prayer is the same, and that is, help us, Lord, as we study this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Genesis 15, 1, and after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born of mine house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to tell them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees, give thee this land to inherit it and he said lord god whereby shall i know that i shall inherit it and he said unto him take me an heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon and he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another but the birds divided he not all right in our last study we saw abraham's deep distress he was very troubled abram was very abraham very troubled very distressed and Abraham has heard God speak about an exceeding great reward that brought to Abraham's mind that he doesn't have an inheritor. He doesn't have some an heir for this inheritance. So the thought of inheritance has brought to Abraham's mind this painful reminder that he's childless. And so he says in verse 3, Lo, one born of my house is mine heir. And this was very painful for him. And it it's so painful that he repeats this in verses 2 and 3 And he's doing what David had done in Psalm 142 when David says, Psalm 142, verses one and two, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. This is what we're seeing Abraham do here, verses two and three. He's crying to the Lord with his voice, and he's pouring out, like uh, David says here. You can just picture Abraham. It's just, he's just—he's complaining, it's, it's not complaining in the sense that the Israelites did. That was not a good complaining. This was a good complaining. <laughs> but he's pouring out what makes a good complaint. He's pouring out his complaint to God. It's very painful. And he says these things to God. What wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless. Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. So when we're left... Verse 3, we saw Abraham pointing to Eliezer, the servant in his house, the faithful steward in his house, and saying to God, is this who you have in mind? Is this the person who's going to be my heir? And so then we see that the Lord answers Abraham about Eliezer, and he says in verse 4, this shall not be thine heir. No, you got it wrong, Abraham. I said what I meant, and Eliezer is not who I meant. He's not going to be your heir. But then he said, he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels, shall be thine heir. Now, by the way, you notice in this dialogue here, it's very interesting, because Abraham and God are speaking back and forth. And in verse two, it says, and Abram said. In verse three, and it says, and Abram said. And verse four does not say, and God said. In verse four, it says, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying. So Abram speaks to God, and the word of the Lord comes to Abram with a behold. So Abram spoke to God, and behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram. And when the Lord came to Abram, we don't know how that word of the Lord came to Abram. Did Abram hear with his ears? The voice of God, did he hear with his ears the word of the Lord that came to him? We don't know. What we do know is that Abram had this deep conviction in his heart that God had spoken to him and how that word of the Lord came to Abram, we don't know. We don't know that. But whether it was from a voice or whether it was from a deep conviction that Abram had, he knew that the word of the Lord had come to him. And so these words in verse 4 are very significant for us where it says the word of the Lord came unto him so that describes our conversation with God I mean when we're troubled when we're distressed so what do we do we talk to God and we talk to God with our voice as David did we do this alone so people don't think we're crazy but we do this <laughs> he says this Abraham says in Psalm 77:1, he said I cried unto God with my voice even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. So as we talk to God with our voice, verbally, we're like Abraham in verses two and three. And Abram said, and Tom said, and Irene said, right, Irene, Ken said, so forth. Because we speak to God with our voice. That's what we do. And then we do what David says in Psalm 40, verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord. And when that verse says, I waited patiently in Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. The word patiently is what the translators have chosen for a word, but really it's the same Hebrew word. So in other words, what it's really saying here is saying, I waited patiently. And no, it doesn't say patiently. What am I saying? That's what the translators said. Waited is used twice, is used twice there. So literally it reads, I waited and waited or in waiting I waited or I waited and then I waited you know and after I waited I waited some more that's the whole idea there and so this is to say that after we speak to God sometimes we have to wait and after we wait in some ways we have to wait some more more time now, why does God make us wait because he wants to see us go into a transition he's training our hearts so that we're not just so casual about it with God we don't just, just you know I want to hear God's answer no he wants us to get on to from the, I want to hear God's answer to, I need to hear God's answer. And then he wants us to get to, I must have God's answer. And then he says, then God says, all right, now, now I'll give you the answer. And until we get to the, I must hear, I must have God's answer, God makes us wait. And so then one day we're reading our Bible and and then a verse from this verse that we read all of a sudden, we got our answer. Boy, we got it right there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to us. And you know, it's more like if we were writing it, we'd say, will you look at that? That's God just gave me the answer. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. So Abraham understood that Eliezer was not going to be his heir, but Abraham's heir was going to be, as God described him, he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Now the Hebrew word used here for bowels is meef, It means soft part. And so there are other places in scripture where that word is used. For example, we're going to see it when God tells Rebekah that inside her womb, he says in Genesis 25:23, 23, two manner of people shall be separated from thy me'ah so that from thy bowels and one shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger and we'll see it we wouldn't see it but anyways it's in Ruth 111 where Naomi Ruth's mother-in-law is addressing Ruth and she says you know turn away go back you know back to your land of Moab don't come with me and one of the things she says in Ruth 111 is and Naomi said turn again my daughter actually she was speaking to both of them my daughters, why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my ma'ah, in my womb, that they may be your husbands? So the word ma'ah used to refer to the soft part of the body, but it's the womb. And so when we read this, that, you know, it's, God says to Abraham, you know, someone is, that he that shall come forth of thy own bowels, thy own womb. So, you know, we being very intelligent come to the conclusion that Abraham doesn't have a womb. <laughs> That's a news That's a newsflash. <laughs> and so no child is going to come out of abraham's body or his soft part his womb and so when it comes to shall come forth of thine own bowels that cannot be talking about abraham literally because abraham's got some missing parts and so it just ain't gonna happen but what was god talking about well obviously this is referring to the other part of abraham's flesh you know that, that, her name is sarah and so here we see god is really addressing abraham and sarah as one flesh as he said in Genesis two twenty four, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. So he's addressing Abraham and Sarah together as one flesh. Now in verse 5, we read that it says here in verse 5, in Genesis fifteen five, and he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Now, God continues here to talk about Abraham's seed, because the subject has come up, exceeding great reward, that means inheritance. Abraham immediately feels the pain and distress. What inheritance? Who's my heir? Brings back the whole pain that he's childless. And so, we go on now when we're talking about the seed. He says, no, it's going to be someone come out of your bowels, meaning you and Sarah together, which is going to be very important for Abraham to remember. Poor Abraham. When the, the matter of the Egyptian Hagar Comes to be discussed. And so he goes on further to elaborate on Abraham's seed, and God says, Okay, I need Abraham to go outside. So he brings him outside, and he brings him outside, and he tells Abraham, Look. Now, where does God tell Abraham to look? What does it say? Where does it tell him to look? He says, Look up, look up, look up to the sky, look up to heaven. Right. He tells him to do that. He says, Look now toward heaven. So Abraham, look up, look up. So he's looking up. And in other words, he's telling Abraham, Look vertically, look up. Now, what did God tell him to look at when he looked up? Of stars. He says, Abraham, see those stars up there? I want you to, you know, focus on the stars. Look at the stars, Abraham. So two things. Look up, look at the stars, okay? Then with Abraham looking toward heaven, seeing the stars, God tells Abraham that his seed is going to be like the stars. is like the numbers of the stars. But now, what God is telling Abraham here is very similar in structure to what God has told Abraham that we've already looked at in Genesis 13 and turn back to that. Genesis 13, 14. Keep your place in Genesis 15, 5 after you've already left it. <laughs> Keep your place in Genesis 155, because we're going to look at the parallel between Genesis 155 and Genesis 1314, which we've already looked at. Now Notice this, Genesis 13, 14. And the Lord said unto Abram after that lot was separated from him. Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art. Sound familiar? Where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. So, Here we are, Genesis 13, 14. Where does God tell Abraham to look this time? Horizontally. Horizontally. That's right. He says, look north, look south, look east, look west. Look across toward the north, toward the south, toward the east, toward the west. Look horizontally. He says, look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. So God tells Abraham to look across the land. Not look up this time, but look across the land. So what we have here in, the, in Genesis 13:16, what did God tell him to look at when he looked across? Stars? No. It's in the verse. <laughs> dust. <laughs> dust. I don't know why I have these hard questions. All right. Anyway. So it's a, he tells him, look at the dust. Right? Look across the land. Look up. <laughs> see the stars. See the dust. So he says that, he says, now, so now we have this parallel set up between Genesis 13 and Genesis 15. See, Genesis 13, 14, he says, lift up thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, westward. Genesis 15, 5, he says, look now toward heaven, and he says, and tell the stars. See, Genesis 13, 16, he says, I will make thy seed as the dust, of the earth and Genesis 15 5 tell the stars so shall thy seed be see thy seed shall be as the dust thy seed shall be as the stars see look across look up look horizontal look vertical look horizontal see the dust your seed's going to be like the dust look vertical see the stars your seed is going to be like the stars See, there was all this parallel here. This is going on. So, Abraham in verse 13, see your seed? It's like the dust of the earth, it's a physical seed. Look across the land, see the dust. That's your physical seed. See your seed? Like the dust of the land associated with the land. That seed is your physical Jewish people. They're the dust of the earth. They're your physical descendants, the Jewish people. Genesis 15, Abraham, you have another seed another seed. Your seed now, look up toward heaven. See that seed. That seed's like the stars in the sky. That's a spiritual seed for you. Your seed is a spiritual seed like stars. They are believing like you are. See the dust of the earth. They look like you do. They're your physical descendants. They're the dust of the earth. Your spiritual seed is toward heaven as the ones who are also oriented as you are toward heaven. They're your spiritual seed. What does God say about dust in Genesis 3 19, thou return unto the ground for out of it was thou taken for dust thou art and unto dust shalt thou return that speaks of mortality dust speaks of mortality Abraham if your physical seed your Jewish people trust that they will get to heaven just because they were born Jewish just because they're your physical seed they are wrong because they are the dust of the earth and Abraham your physical seed is like the dust of the earth and to only be the physical seed of Abraham and not the stars the other seed the spiritual seed of Abraham is to hear the words for dust thou art and unto dust shalt thou return and that like the dust they'll die and they won't go to heaven unless they become the second seed along with others and cast into hell but Abraham Genesis 15 your other seed your spiritual seed, they're like the stars of the sky. And what does the Bible say about the stars in Daniel 12, 2 and 3? And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness in the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars.'" Uh, Forever and ever, as the stars, forever and ever. Those that are wise, those that have come to the Lord Jesus Christ and had seek to bring others to the Lord Jesus Christ. They that be wise, they turn many to righteousness. They're the stars of heaven. The stars, forever and ever. So the stars in the Bible speak of living forever and ever, or in other words, eternal life. That's what the stars speak of. And Abraham. If any person Jew or Gentile follows you in believing God then they'll go to heaven because they'll be just like the stars forever and ever but if any person who a person who is part of the Abraham's physical seed, the dust of the earth, a Jewish person, or a person is not part of Abraham's physical seed. But he believes like Abraham does, they become a part of Abraham's spiritual seeds, one of the stars. And they, they hear the words, the stars that live forever and ever. And they hear the words of Proverbs four eighteen. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. And Matthew 13, 43, where the Lord Jesus Christ, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. So, Genesis 13, Abraham's physical seed as the dust of the earth, the Jewish people. Genesis 15, Abraham's other seed as the stars of the sky made up of Jewish and Gentile people living forever and ever. That's the mystery of the two seeds of Abraham, the dust, the physical descendants of Abraham, the Jewish people. That's one of his seeds. The stars, Genesis 15, the spiritual descendants of Abraham, believers from both Jewish and Gentile backgrounds. As it says in Galatians 3:27 and 29, for as many as of you have been baptized unto Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Which seed? The physical dust seed? No, the star seed, the second seed of Genesis 15. So the mystery of Abraham's two seeds explains what Paul meant by this very confusing statement in Romans 9, 6. Not that Paul wasn't given to making very confusing statements, but he did here when he said, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. What if that doesn't sound like double talk? (laughs) For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. But you put together now the mystery of the two seeds of Abraham comes crystal clear. Because it's they are not all Abraham's second seed, his spiritual seed, like the stars with eternal life, which are from Abraham's first seed, physical seed, like the dust, who, if they remain in that state, will die in their sins. So the mystery of Abraham's two seeds explains what the Lord meant when speaking to the Jewish people who were his enemies at that time, when he acknowledged in John 8:37, "I know that ye are Abraham's seed first seed, like the dust of the earth." And yet to the same people, when they claim that they were children of Abraham, in other words, when they claim to be the spiritual seed, in other words, like the stars of Genesis 15, he said no in John 8:39 through 40. And they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. So look toward heaven, tell the stars, so shall thy seed be, Abraham. So in verses 2 and 3 of Genesis 15, Abraham is full of anxiety that he'd have no heir. In verses 4 and 5, God told Abraham, oh, you're going to have an heir, okay. You're going to have not only the first heir I told you about, you're going to have a second heir, spiritual. You'll have physical heirs and you'll have spiritual heirs. And then in verse 6, when Abraham heard that he was going to have a spiritual seed and stars of the heaven, and Abraham responds, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So it says that Abraham believed in the Lord. The Hebrew word there is the the word aman, and here are some other places in Scripture where it's used. In 2 Samuel 2.35, where it speaks of God's establishment, and it says, I will build him a sure house, an aman house a sure house. In Isaiah 2.23, it says, I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, an Amman place. So, and also the word is translated steadfast in 1 Samuel 3.20. Samuel was established to be a prophet Sorry, it's translated as established. Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord, Amon of the Lord. Thy throne shall be established, Amon forever. So the word amon has this meaning of being established or being steady or being sure of being. And so in other words, what it means here when it says that he believed in the Lord, it means that Abraham stayed himself. He steadied himself. He established himself. On the Lord so what we've seen in verse 5 is that God makes a promise to Abraham that he'd have a second spiritual seed and before that in verse four God had promised Abraham that he had he would have a, a first a physical seed that would come forth out of his own bowels Sarahs and Abraham believed God for both of the seeds but about the promise of the first physical seed it says in Romans 4:17 you might want to turn to this Romans 417 through 22 we're going to camp out a little bit on that verse it says Again, this promise comes to Abraham that he's going to have a physical seed. And then God, it says here, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations. That's again, it says here, before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things, which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own, body now dead when he was about 100 years old neither yet the deadness of sarah's womb he staggered not at the promise of god through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to god and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness so it says here among many things it says it said when god told abraham he's going to have a son he staggered not And so to not stagger, in other words, to not lose his balance, to not go into vertigo, to not go, to not uh, fall over, we can picture Abraham just steadying himself. We can just picture him, uh, so to speak, as if he put his hand on God's shoulder and said, no, let let me just steady myself here a little bit. And that's what it means when he said he believed God. He has steadied himself. He stayed himself.
0: You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California 92071 or you can email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor that's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org What are you doing this Thursday? Come to the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California at 6.30 p.m. for our Thursday night Bible study and fellowship. Our Bible study happens every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. This Thursday, we'll study the truth of the Bible, science, and compare that to the life and work of Charles Darwin. We'll have expert guest speakers from the Southern California Seminary with Dr. John Baumgartner and Dr. Christopher Cohn and Dr. Kenneth Cumming, who will join our Creation and Earth History Museum staff as we study the truth of the Bible, science, and compare that to the life and work of Charles Darwin. Bring an atheist or unbeliever to the Bible study and fellowship and join us this Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, off Woodside Avenue North. Call us for more information, 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or go online to creationsd.org. That's creationsd.org, creationsd.org.